Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we begin our study of chapter 28 of the first book of Samuel, that's Shmuel Aleph Parakafchas. But before we study this very strange chapter, seemingly bizarre chapter, but also extremely interesting and, um, and enlightening as well, uh, I feel that it's important for us to give an introduction so that when we study it together, it'll have so much more meaning. For starters, I want to point out the, um, some things that I have emphasized while we studied the course of Shaul, of Saul, and his successes in the beginning and then his, his failures. And to zero in on the relationship between arrogance and the relationship between a magical approach to God or a, the idea that one can manipulate gods with a small g by sacrificing to them, by rituals, etc., that one can somehow achieve and gain uh, some favor from the gods by doing something other than the way we influence the one God with a capital G, which is only by proper behavior, by proper action, as opposed to ritual sacrifice, etc. And that I had emphasized this, and if I want to go back to... Um, uh, to several places where we saw Saul's mistakes, where he started, you know, um, uh, where, where we started get, getting to see what his issues were, why he would, was destined to lose uh, his kingship. The first chapter I want to draw your attention to is the story that we learned about in chapter 13. At that time, if you recall, Shaul was with the people and they were waiting for Shmuel, for Samuel to come, the prophet. And Samuel didn't come, right? Even though he had already told Saul that he was going to be late and to wait for him, he didn't want to wait. So Shaul, what did he do in order... He, he, instead of doing what he was told, the action that he was supposed to do, he, he figured, Hagishu Eliha Olam, reading verse 9, bring me these sacrifices and let's sacrifice to God as if that somehow he can curry favor in God's eyes by bringing him sacrifices as opposed to doing as he was told we pointed out over there that we're starting to see this flaw in Saul that he somehow thinks that even if I don't act properly or do things properly I can still get God's favor by bringing sacrifices by doing prayers, etc. Then again in chapter 14 we find um, where they were camped against the Philistine enemy and they were in dire straits and remember there that Jonathan was able to rout the Philistine army by using his bravery, courage and trickery. Saul was there asking, instead of acting, instead of doing he decided to bring the Aron, the Ark and somehow gain victory by using the ark. If you look at chapter 17, uh, verse 17, 18, and 19 in chapter 14. So we find another place where instead of action, he's trying to use um, 
trying to manipulate and get favor from God by using devices but such as the ark. We find it again later in chapter 14 where instead of allowing the people to eat so that they should be strong and fight the battle, Saul decided that it would be better to allow them to fast, to, at, to make, have everyone fast, despite the fact that that also ended up in a terrible um, disaster with, with, with his son. He almost ended up executing his own son, who simply ate honey, which gave him strength to do battle, which in the end, of course, helped them be victorious. But then, in chapter 15, we have really the most obvious place where a, a major issue, a major point that I think is crucial to understand is brought out. And that is, of course, the famous battle with Amalek, where Saul um, kept the booty, the sheep, and, and so on, and, and allowed the king Agag to remain alive despite his command to destroy everything. <laughs> there... Shmuel came to Shaul and said, Why did you not do as I had told you? And when Shmuel said that, he said something very important, which really clues us in. And we spoke about this then when we discussed chapter 15. It might be worthwhile going back and studying that again. Where he said, he, he, to, he, told, um, he told Saul, um, you know, you were given instructions to do this, right? Um, and then Saul answers and says, and it shouldn't. It's no problem. I'll bring the. We we meant to bring all of these animals as sacrifices to God, so God will be fine. Don't worry about it. It was essentially what Saul was saying, which uh, which belies a fundamental misunderstanding of the relationship between a person and God, both capital G, the real God, and which finds its its origins in the mistaken way that. Uh, a pagan worship happens. Pagan worship doesn't happen because of behavior, because you act in the way that, that the God wants you to act, but rather it happens because you do some sort of a ritual, some sort of a sacrifice, something that this God wants, so to speak. But, but Saul had a fundamental misunderstanding in thinking that the way one relates to the real God is the same way the one relates to the uh, pagan gods, only the difference being that the real God is more powerful, more mighty, more, more uh, special. Which is why Shmuel said the very important um, words there, Kichatas Kesem Meri, the sin of Kesem, the sin of um, divination or, or necromancy, Kesem is, is, is using magical devices, is rebellion. In other words, thinking that when we explained this then, that Shmuel was telling Saul that if you treat the real God this way, the same way thinking that you can replace good actions and good behavior with, with sacrifices, then you're treating him in the same way that you treat the pagan gods when one does divination or, or necromancy or some sort of a, uh, a you know, magical way of trying to manipulate the gods. There's no difference then. It's all idolatry in the same pattern, in the same manner. Even when later Saul it, it brings David on board to, uh, and, and agrees to David's and allows David to represent the people and go up against Goliath, Saul said over there, I see that God is with you. Now, we know that, of course, God was with David, but God was with David because David was the right person. He was acting in the right way. He was doing the right things. He was humble. This is so important. 
But the reason why this is related to arrogance is because when one thinks that he can manipulate God by bringing a sacrifice, when you think you can manipulate God by doing some sort of an incantation, what you're doing is you're being arrogant because you are acting as if you can manipulate God, get things from God, even though you're not acting in the way he wants you to, even though you're not doing the things he asked you to do. And one can see how easy it is to flip from being an idol worshiper to being a, um, I, I'm sorry, from, from, from worshiping God in this way, if, if this doesn't work, it's very easy to float right back into pagan idol worship. Because when one is arrogant and when one wants to manipulate God by doing these kinds of things, by bringing sacrifices, if one doesn't get the results that one wants, it's a lot easier to say, okay, well, this God isn't answering me. Let me go to the other God. Let me do the other thing. And this is really crucial. This is, this is why it's so important to understand the, this basic concept, which, and I've emphasized this numerous times throughout this podcast, throughout all of the books of the prophets, that this is probably the most fundamental lesson of the entire Bible. Now, I know that that is an extremely big statement to make, but we've seen this repeatedly over and over and over again. Now we see this, uh, that, that, that in this prophet, the prophet Shmuel, the prophet Samuel in his book, where we learn the story of Shaul and David, it is crucial for us to remember and understand this relationship, the relationship between pagan worship, the relationship between a magical type of understanding of how one manipulates God and how closely they're related and how related that is to the, to the idea of arrogance and how what the primary lesson of the Torah is to tell us, the primary lesson of the prophets is to tell us that what God wants is not ritual, is not sacrifice, is not is not magical incantations, but what God wants from us is, as the Torah itself says, Tamim Hashem I want you to be whole with God. Right? When I go before me, Tamim. Right? Tamim. And be whole, be complete. What does that mean? It means behavior. What God wants is humility and behavior. This is the crucial lesson that is repeated over and over and over again. And this is the lesson that this book of Shmuel wants to teach us is the problem with Saul. With this introduction, we'll be able to understand the, um, the chapter that we're about to study together, chapter 28, and how it is that Saul could have made the terrible mistake that he made, which we're about to read and study in chapter uh, 28. I'm going to read the first couple verses of chapter 28 in this um, podcast, which is really just an introduction because these two verses are actually an introduction to this chapter and um and uh and and the after the, the starting from the third verse is the story of Saul the first two verses focus back on David so remember David now is in Gat he is living with Achish who is the king of Gat so he's one of the Philistine uh, uh, kings of one of their capital cities, which is uh, one of the five, and Gat is one of them. Uh, Achish gave David his own city to uh, to uh, live in with his people, and David is pretending to be a loyal servant, the loyal Philistine, and David is pretending to be someone who has abandoned his people because, and it makes sense because his people and the king Saul has abandoned David, 
So it makes sense that David would be bitter and now be an anti-Israelite. Now we know that that is not true. We know that he's living among the Philistines in order to escape, but not because he's no longer loyal to his people, to his nation. He's just afraid of Saul and waiting for the right moment to make his move. But there was this is verse 1, it was in those times, during those days, it seems like this was a major battle. The Philistines gathered all of their camps together into a war party. So they, this is a major battle, and it's very likely that, the, and you see from the way this is juxtaposed, that they're thinking, that at least some of them are thinking, that, that Saul's army is weakened now, because David is no longer with him, remember that David was one of his best military men. When there's civil war in, in, uh, among a nation, that's their most vulnerable time. This is the key time to attack. And it, um, so, Lehi Lachem Bi Israel. They wanted to wage war against the people of Israel. Now, Achish, Vayomer Achish El David, Achish says to David, Yadoa Teida, obviously you know, Ki Iti Teitseva Machane that you are going to go to war with me. You're going to go out in the camp with me. In other words, the Philistines are going to be divided, presumably in five separate camps based on the capital cities that they came from, and you're going to be in my party. You and your men. Because, you know, David was a well-known warrior, and he'd be a great asset. Achish, by now, is convinced of David's loyalty. This, of course, will put David in an extremely difficult position of having to fight against his own people. Now, the way David is going to weasel out of this, we'll see a little bit here, mostly in the next chapter. But Vayomer David el Achish, David says to Achish, Lachain atoteda. Absolutely, you definitely know. That which your servant will do. Of course, yeah, you know what I'll do, right? In other words, David didn't answer. David is trying to play the game feel him out to figure out how he's going to weasel out of this and not give himself away as a traitor. I will make you the one who guards my life. In other words, you'll be my right-hand man, you'll be right next to me, and you'll be there to guard me because you're a loyal soldier. Achish is also thinking, and we're going to see later, that Achish is, realizes that some of the Philistines are going to feel quite uncomfortable fighting against David, who is a well-known enemy of theirs, and they'll be always suspicious. So Achish is thinking, Achish, who has now been convinced of his loyalty, by putting David next to him and trusting him as his bodyguard, he's sending the message that David is trustworthy. This point is important because, as an introduction, because it explains it's part of the reason why Shaul is so afraid that in the other fights against the Philistines in the beginning, Shaul had David. Saul had David on his side, and David one of his was one of his best and most successful generals. After David and Saul had a falling out, Saul continued to fight the Philistines, and he didn't have David. But at least he was able to fight the Philistines alone. Now. Saul knows that David is among the Philistines. We saw that in the last chapter. He knows that he's there. Now Saul is especially afraid because not only does he not have David with him, now David is allied against him. Ushmuel Mace. And this is why that, that, this, this, that little episode, those two verses that I just read, 
it's placed in front of the story so that we understand in a moment why when the Philistines array themselves in battle against Saul, that Saul is particularly afraid in this case. And he's particularly afraid also because remember that he sees and knows and we've seen and he's even admitted repeatedly that God is with David. Shmuel Mace and Shmuel had died. Remember, we already mentioned that Shmuel had died, but it's important to mention it here because, so that in order to understand the story that we're about to read. I'm going to continue to read several verses um, uh, and uh, before I split this chapter up. By Yisbedulo, Chol Yisrael, and all of the people of Israel had, 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 um, <coughs> excuse me, had, um, uh, eulogized him and, and, and cried over him. And he was buried in Ramah and in his town where he had lived. And Saul, in order to curry favor with God, of course, had removed all of the Ovot uh, Vidonim uh, are, are different types of uh, uh, an ov is a necromancer who brings up the dead to talk to the spirits, and uh, yidonim is other kinds of um, uh, magical uh, uh, spirit uh, people that talk to spirits of some sort. So Saul had done this, and this is obviously presumably a good thing that he had done this. Obviously, the Torah forbids us to access uh, such things and to uh, delve in such matters. And that, that those are pagan things to do, and therefore Saul got rid of them, which is a good thing. And Saul is also, of course, thinking, as we'll see soon, that by doing this, maybe he'll get favor with God, and he'll uh, and he'll have God on his side uh, to help him in his endeavors and his battles. And the uh, all the Philistines gathered. This is the same battle that we were referencing before that Achish was getting ready for and was ha- hiring David to be his bodyguard. And they camped in Shunem. And Saul gathered all of Israel. Again, all of Israel, meaning he didn't just use a small army. This was a big deal. He gathered everyone he could, obviously with the exception of David and his men, right? which is a glaring exception. And the way this chapter is laid out wants you to get that. That's the gorilla in the room, right? <laughs> Which it's deliberately treated as if it's a gorilla in the room. Vayachanuba Gilboa, and they camped at Gilboa. Uh, a lot of a lot of people comment here about the the uh, um, geography here is unusual because here the Philistines, where typically their fights take place on the in the south western coastal areas near modern Gaza and southern Israel and those areas where the Philistines were settled and, and fought mostly against the uh, people uh, where, at the lands where they overlap in southern Judea and so on. But this is taking place farther north in Samaria and, 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 and farther north. And um, one might suggest that this is part of the reason why is because they had such a large army. This is an even more major threat at the heartland and in areas where the Philistines usually didn't act. So this is from act of a major army, not just some cross-border scuffle. And Saul saw, and this is again, uh, when it uses the word see here, 
it also spells out the Hebrew root for the word vayira, uh, and he was afraid. So it says vayir vayira. He saw and he was very afraid. And he was very afraid in his heart. <clears throat> so Saul is afraid. He doesn't have David on his side. He needs help. He needs something to do. Now what is Saul going to do? How does he handle stressful situations like this? Well, if we remember from the past, he is going to look for some divine assistance. And that's where we're going to pick up in the next podcast. Thank you so much for studying so far together with me. And keep this, bear everything we said in mind when we study uh, uh, tomorrow together the rest of chapter 28.